eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. Craig Hoffman here. That's Logan Paulson. And joining us off the top of the show, I've done many podcasts with this man, uh, but I have not done this podcast with this man. Lorenzo Alexander, former Washington Commander, former Oakland Raider, former Buffalo Bill, Pro Bowler, former Pro Bowl MVP. Uh, he played for Jack Del Rio in Oakland, which will become relevant in a moment. And uh, he is with us here on the pod to start. Uh, Zoe, always appreciate you, man. Uh, thanks for joining us. No, I appreciate you inviting me on. It's always good to see uh, you, Craig, and Lowe, obviously. I had a lot of five members of us playing together, going back and competing against each other, and it's just really cool to see how you've transitioned away from the game as well. And I'm actually out here in Cooperstown, New York right now. My son played in a baseball tournament. We just got back from the Hall of Fame. So just enjoying some of my, my time in offseason as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, you don't have an offseason anymore. It's always it's always the offseason now. You don't get well, you don't get a season to get ready I for. Do, I do media. I do media. So yeah. I, I still have an offseason. You know, it's from pretty much the same. I don't have training camp or none of that other stuff. But from mm. February to about August, I don't do too many podcasts. So this is my offseason. All right. Well, <laughs> we uh, – I'm sorry for interrupting your offseason by having you do a podcast, but yeah. we wanted to have you on because obviously the big story. Do anything, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Uh, so the reason we wanted to have, have you on is the, the big story outside of the OTA stuff, and, and Logan and I will do plenty of the on-the-field stuff later in the show. But the big story right now for the Commanders was literally national news yesterday. Like We're talking about this being on CNN, Jack Del Rio. Uh, has comments about right. January 6th, and he has some tweets that tie January 6th to the protest uh, in the summer of 2020 following the murder of George Floyd. And I think the question that we will tackle, the purpose of this podcast, like if you want the political stuff, go to CNN, go to those folks. But for what right. we right. are going to talk about is the effect it could have on the locker room. So whether there's an example of your career or you were to try to put yourself in the commander's locker room now, if you see a coach saying something that maybe you disagree with politically and, a, and a, specifically a coach doing it, what kind of impact does that right. have on his ability to do his job as defensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders? Well, I think for the majority of those guys in the locker room, it it, it may matter to them in their personal conversations with friends and family outside of the locker room and maybe even with some of the guys in the locker room. But because of the structure, and most guys are expendable and can move, they're not going to really voice their opinion, right? They still got to show up and do their job and, and want to play at a high level and 
what he said, you know, on Twitter, it, it will bother them, but it's not going to impact the way they go to work and try to compete and earn themselves a job. Now, if it's somebody that may be a little bit more established, you know, maybe a veteran, maybe somebody like myself that was in the locker room 10, 12 years and feels a little bit more secure in who they are, they may, if depending on the relationship, they may have a sit down and, and want to say, hey, you know, so what is going on? I, I, you know, we've had all these conversations, but obviously you still have a certain perspective of what's going on in our country. And and, and maybe they have be able to hash it out. You know, I don't know if, if some guys may not be that mature and maybe hold it against them. Um, you know, I, I play for Jack, but because I I got there week one of the season, I didn't have an off season. I didn't have a training camp of really getting to know him. And while I was there, he was the head coach. And so I didn't really deal with him too much. I don't really know him personally and, and how he thinks and, 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 and kind of how he moves. Uh, so I can't really speak to that. But I know it will be an issue, especially with some of the more veteran players, some of the guys that may be more in the community involved in these situations, trying to figure out what did he really mean? You know, what are your true feelings? And it, and it could become an issue, especially when you think about all the stuff that Washington has, has had to endure with all the, you know, distractions and, and, and things that they've had to deal with over the last, I mean, really even when I played. So, I mean, it's kind of been ongoing <laughs> issues, especially when you think about cultural um, and public relations type of things uh, that have been in the, in the news uh, concerning them and the organization. So, so, you know, like someone asked me about this earlier, and I think you brought up a great point, like how certain players are not comfortable enough, like going to the coach. Like how important is it having leaders? Like, you know, like someone asked me, like, what would you have done as a rookie? Like I was like, I would have gone to Zoe. I would have gone to Kedrick. I would have gone to some of these older guys. Yeah. Like how important – and, you know, the commanders are kind of a young roster at the moment. Like how important or not important is it not having that kind of veteran leadership in the, in the room that can go and address this issue if they need to? Right. Um, I think it's, it's, it's important and essential that you do have veterans on the team that have that relationship with the head coach and management that can be that bridge, right? Because yeah. everybody doesn't have that ability, that everybody doesn't have that voice or that platform where coaches are going to receive it. You know, whether that's right or wrong or indifferent, that's just how the league is made up. And normally when you have guys that, have, that are proven on the field and, and have the respect of the coaches, it's easier for those guys and in a lot of ways, less risky for those guys to approach these type of situations. Um, and so it, that's why every team looks for those veterans, because this is an issue where, yeah, it may not be spoken on, but mm. in silence can 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 uh, pull a team apart. Where, man, I don't really even trust this dude, man. I hear him. I hear what he's saying. Yeah, I'm out here doing my job. But we all know that relationships and chemistry matter right am i going to run through this wall for this dude when i don't really know if he has my back or he has some perspective issues you know as far as what's going on in our country so um it it it, it matters uh and hopefully they do have you know maybe one or two guys that can be that bridge where they can sit down but i know jack definitely needs to address it right not just address it to the media and then push on and keep moving uh, because there are going to be players that feel a certain type of way, and probably coaches too, right? You got coworkers yeah. that you got to work with um, as well. And, and if you in a meeting, I don't respect you. Um, that is an issue that can obviously deter you from winning football games. At the end of the day, that's what you want to be able to do. You know, and obviously, Zoe, you played for a long time, man, and like are one of my like favorite guys I ever played with. And I wanted to know, get your take on this. Like, I felt like from when I got into the league, and from when I left the league, so about ten years the political voice of the player changed pretty dramatically over the course of that time period. Yeah. Do you feel the same way? 
Yeah, I would I would definitely agree. I think that that uh, the notion of you know shut up and play, shut up and dribble, kind of that was how the league was for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that power structure and feeling like if it wasn't about ball, I couldn't speak about it. Um, and I think obviously as we have kind of transitioned into this digital age and where everything is public and you're always representing the team, that guys have um, really embraced and really understand the leverage and the platform that they that they have, you know, obviously with social media getting their message out, and then a responsibility in, in a lot of ways to be the voiceless or to be the voice of the voiceless, right? Uh, you know, athletes um, have a certain ability to, to go in the rooms and speak to people and be heard in a different way because of that fandom and that celebrity that's attached to their face. And so somebody who otherwise wouldn't know me, you know, if I just never played ball and I went to speak to them, may receive my story growing up in Oakland and some of the things that I've seen my friends or myself go through much differently than um, someone that um, played in the NFL, right? It it just received differently. I feel like I'm a part of the relationship is there versus not having that relationship. And so I think it's, I think it's essential that, that we're able to do that. And I think that's really been the transition where guys realize that and are stepping up more so than not these days to really, help continue to push change in a positive way yeah and one of the things that i think is interesting about that specific to the del rio comments and like not to evaluate the veracity of anybody's opinion but just as a is a sheer statement of fact one of the biggest inflection points in that is the protest of 2020 which he brings into that conversation and so you have some guys in the league maybe i don't know specific to the commanders i I don't know every guy on the roster and where they were that summer but like you might have guys on the roster who were a part of those protests and and might feel a certain type of way accordingly um i actually have a question for both of you guys though and it comes off what john allen said and john was asked about it by jp finley and was basically like i don't really care because i don't pay attention to this stuff and I'm curious within the context of an NFL locker room, like how many John Allens are there? How many Lorenzo Alexanders? And I'm talking like Vetzo, who like does, is locked in, is paying attention. If you were in that locker room, you would have that kind of meeting versus like, and then, you know, also like, let's be real. There are guys who probably heard what Jack Del Rio said and was like, that's my guy. So like, how, you know, are you aware of that in an NFL locker room? And also, how big of a deal, you know, is kind of the makeup of the locker room from from that perspective? Yeah, I mean, the locker room is like, uh, you know, the rest of the community, right? You have, you can't, there's no uh, one way to cut the locker room. It's very diverse. You know, black guys think differently than other black guys based on how you grew up and where you come from. For White sure. guys think differently based on what you grew up and come from. So there's not like it's split racially um you know socioeconomically it may be split differently it's just because there's a hodgepodge of guys that have different experiences that have talked to different guys depending on how long you play are you married do you have kids you know where you grew up this so there's no one way of looking at it and again some guys uh may disagree but don't even feel comfortable enough to, to speak up and speak out now i think john allen is definitely aware of what's going on now he may not care i don't yeah. I, I don't know what he's his, real his good at the media is, game he, def- he, he came saving right he's definitely heard right in it and i think guys sometimes that's the go-to answer because they don't know uh the right way about addressing it but i think in this day and age especially a guy like john allen i mean has the ability that uh, yeah i heard what john said you know Hopefully, at some point, we get to sit down and have a conversation. If he disagreed with him, I don't know where his where his political stance is, and have a conversation. 
Because at the end of the day, yes, you are my coach, but at the end of, outside of this, I'm a grown man just like you're a grown man, and we're trying to win, and so we need to have these conversations. I think people, you know, let's just push it to the side, not not address it. I'd rather at least know where we stand. Yeah, I may not, I may not agree with your perspective, but maybe I can respect your perspective after I've had a conversation with you. And then it makes it easier when I'm listening to you in a meeting. I'm not sitting here harboring this, uh, I don't know, I don't feel of aggression or anger or disappointment because I'm portraying something on you without having a conversation. So I think conversations are critical or important, especially when there's disagreement. So at least I have a sense of peace based on what you've told me. We've hashed it out. You heard my piece. And then we can respect, respectfully disagree on occurrences that we've seen on and off the field. Uh, right. And then and then move forward. And uh, in, 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 I think in a in a fashion that's more cohesive than just let's not let's avoid it. Let's not talk yeah. about it. Right. That's more of that old school mentality to me, which which breaks, which creates, I think, more more harm than good, you know, over the long haul. Yeah. And I agree with everything Zoe said. In some ways, the locker room, in my opinion, is a little bit more extreme even than like the local community. You're almost getting a slice of the national community. You get guys from like rural Ohio and guys from the inner city. And then it's very yeah, rare yeah. that those populations would meet. And one of the things that I really miss about playing quite honestly is like, you could have like a knockout drag out conversation over lunch. Like I remember talking to Zoe and Kedrick and like, we don't always agree, you know, ideologically, but like getting their perspective, getting their opinions from different backgrounds. And then the fact that like, there was like this brotherhood about it. You know what I mean? Like we could have that conversation. We could respectfully agree or disagree. And like, I came out of those conversations always with a broader view, you know, and like to Zoe's point, those conversations were so impactful for me as a young, as a young guy that I was able to carry those even as an older player, like just having the ability to do that. And then the fact that you're kind of united in this common purpose, it always kind of made everything better. You know, we were able to leave those, those tables, those lunch conversations in a better place, like me personally. And then I think our friendships grew stronger because of that understanding. And I just think like to Zoe's point, like if we could talk about this, if the team can talk about it, if they can talk about it with the coaches, it just, it leaves you in a better spot. A hundred percent, you know, and like, I might not agree with everything that people say, but at least I know you now and I I can identify and empathize with your perspective. And so I think it's so critical, you know, that if, if there's an, if there's even a seed of doubt or issue that someone has enough leadership wherewithal, like Zoe saying to go and talk to Jack or go and talk to Ron or whatever it is. Yeah. And and that's great. And, and, you know, people wonder why what's, what's special about Buffalo. Sean McDermott is the first one to let you know that he doesn't know everything. And he, he may have a certain perspective on things, the way he grew up, uh, you know, in Philadelphia and just has, but he was always, Hey, so especially like around the kneeling, right. We had countless conversations or a, uh, uh, some of the stuff that was coming up around the inspired change stuff. Hey, so what do you think? Or asking other guys, what is your perspective? Cause I don't know as a white male, what your perspective is. Right. And so he may not always could, could understand it because he didn't live it but he could definitely empathize to logan's point after we had those conversations and then guys felt comfortable they didn't feel like their job was at stake if i came to have a conversation or i was a conduit where i could then tell guys hey this is what the conversation was about and then it's 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 easier for guys to move within the locker room without this extra tension tension in in an already stressed environment so Hopefully that he's able to do that, and uh, and, and it'll, it will definitely be better for the team if they have those conversations. So that kind of gets to, to my last question, and this is a, a 
point I spent a lot of time on the radio talking about the last couple of days, which is Ron's role in all of this. Ron was brought in as this guy who's supposed to be a master culture builder, guy of impeccable character, personally speaking. But the team feels very much just as chaotic as when Jay and Bruce left. Like, it's chaotic in different ways. And some, by the way, to their right. credit, or to Ron's credit, some of the chaos is leftovers, right? With the lawsuits and all those kinds of things yeah. happening before he was here. <laughs> yeah. So, like, important caveat. But, like, there is been... about decades, right? <laughs> totally. Totally. But, like, it, yeah. he was supposed to make this ship feel steady. And it sure doesn't right. feel steady. And I, as someone who played in a couple of different places, who experienced different cultures, who played here when it was tumultuous, who played in Buffalo when it was great, and some of the other places you saw, literally, you know, chronologically speaking for your career, in between, like, how do you go about setting culture as a coach, and ultimately, how much does it matter? I know it matters a lot, but you lived it. How much does it matter? Culture is, is, is really everything um, in, in my mind because it sets the foundation for a group of men to stay together and ladies to stay together for a whole season. And uh, one of the things I really got to see Sean McDermott do at, at a high level was allow people, before there was even any type of adversity, to share their stories, build those bonds, and gain that empathy and understanding before anything occurred. And so when things do pop up, because they will, right, life, especially in the climate we're in right now, you're able to easier easy or more easily walk through those things together and 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 make it and still win games and still come together out on the other side as a team because everybody faces it whether it's on the field with injuries or people saying something in the media losing some games whether it's in the community and what we see with some tweets from players um if you already have a foundation when those things happen you have a relationship and understanding. And so instead of, like, let's say Jack got up and shared his story and I understood where he was coming from, instead of having maybe a, a heart of maybe disappointment or aggression, my first instinct is that, hey, let me call Jack. I know Jack. I feel comfortable with Jack, right? We have some common, some commonalities, and let me have a discussion with him, right? And that's two different ways to approach the same situation where one is going to be a lot more productive than the other one. Um, and so culture to me, that's what culture is, is, is for. It's not for everybody has talent and plan, but when you have that adversity that you're going to face in life, how, how can we overcome it? And culture allows you to do that at a higher level. That's great stuff, man. That's great. I'm really glad we had you on. Uh, stay, yeah. stay dry out there. Uh, <laughs> enjoy the enjoy the rest of your trip to Cooperstown, and uh, we'll have. I want to have you on. So we had a great conversation on Monday's pod about how veterans can impact players on the field. I would love to have you back in a couple of weeks, uh, back when you're back home in Arizona and not running out of a rain or the rain into a tent to uh, to have you talk about that yeah. and much more. So we'll have you back on then, Zo. All right, appreciate you guys. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Take command from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson rolling along. Again, thanks to Lorenzo Alexander. Awesome conversation with Zoe. He's the best. Um, yeah, he's so awesome, lucky man. to have a great friendship with him over the years. Uh, so, on the field, which is what yep. we thought we'd do for the full 45 minutes, we were really looking forward to that. And it's like, God. Yeah. And, and I think that's like a sidebar, like a little bit of an important thing today. Like, Nobody yeah. wants to spend time talking about this other stuff. Like that is why it is a distraction, um, and it matters a lot more from a distraction standpoint for the people involved. Um, that they then get asked questions about that, and that takes up their mental space. For us, like we talk about whatever is the lead story, and unfortunately, what Jack said is the lead story. But alas, here we are. Uh, there is still plenty of time to do both, and so now for the other half of both, uh, we move on the field. And if you want to feel good about the Commanders, maybe the best place to start is Jahan Dotson. Uh, the reports uh, that I've seen, everybody watching, you know, the, as the, it's open to full media, he's just he's playing great, and he's continued to progress. Yeah. You get the chance to watch him every single day and review the tape. Uh, and it seems, from, from talking to you a little bit about this in between practices and stuff, you seem to be on the exact same page as everybody else. You, you're yeah, impressed I mean, I with wish this I kid. Could, I wish I could say something, like, unique and different and exciting, but, like, he's just been doing a really nice job. And I think it's the... You know, like we talked about the transfer from college to the NFL, how it's almost a different sport. You know, college football is completely different than NFL football. And for him to bring like some of that route running nuance and understanding to this level and, and execute it at such a high level, has just been so impressive. And he just not a lot of mental mistakes, very sharp. He has a, and I think that maybe the more important thing is his rapport with Carson Wentz. You can tell Carson Wentz is starting to trust him, which is significant because like if you look back at his, his time in Philadelphia, his time in Indianapolis, he kind of has a guy that he trusts and he likes. You know, in Indianapolis, that's Michael Pittman, kind of to the detriment of the offense in some cases. But it's nice to have a guy like Jahan who can consistently get open in multiple ways, unlike Pittman, who's a very good receiver, but is kind of one-dimensional, and to have that kind of rapport with him already. And so it's just interesting, like, you know, when it, it gets a little dicey in the pocket, like, he just launches it for Jahan, and Jahan can make a play for him. And I think that that's been, that's been encouraging, and I think it's going to be interesting when Terry comes back, how that alchemy kind of works together because I think you know like we said like Terry's a very good football player obviously he's been one of the best receivers in the league for a couple of years now um, but how does that work with Jahan who's obviously a rising kind of rising star I know this is OTAs I know they don't have pads on there's a lot of 
modifiers that need to be put on that, but it is it is an exciting proposition to see a guy who is, I mean, at this point in OTAs, let me say that again, at this point in OTAs, which is very early on in the process, um, you know, he's looking like a one, one-ish, kind of 1A, 1B type of wide receiver, which is something that this offense is sorely needed for a very long time. Yeah, um, especially when they've had a quarterback. It's kind of like they've had one or the other. The last time yeah. they've kind of had both was Deshaun when he was here and Kirk was was cooking and well they made the playoffs so that tends to tends to help thing talent meet talent um for Dotson when you think about what stands out you know you talk about the intellect you talk about the catchability the catch radius despite the size um all of those things how how much like how I don't know. I guess it's kind of a weird way to word it, but like, how comfortable are you with your evaluation and your projection, considering it is OTAs? And, and yeah. what, what I kind of mean by that is like, offensive line play is impossible to evaluate because it is yeah. so physical, and like, a, a good technique can be completely obliterated by force in a way that yeah. you don't really necessarily get on the outside. So, is it yeah. easier to evaluate a guy like Dotson and kind of feel like you have a better understanding than if it was, you know, a left tackle that was the first round pick? Yeah, so I think, you know, even offensive linemen, you can evaluate during OTAs, but like you said, like there's limits to the evaluation and you're really just evaluating athleticism, movement and intellectual process at this point. And I will say, you know, like, for example, Cosme has looked outstanding in OTAs so far, you know, like as an offensive lineman evaluation, because he's quick off the ball, he knows what he's doing, his pass set's been on point in terms of angle, you know what I mean? All those types Mm -hmm. of things are things you can evaluate. But then when you see Montez Sweat kind of give him the long arm and then pull off because they're in they're they're not in full pads, that's where you have your question mark and you write a little note to yourself and say let's keep an eye on that. With receiver and the, like the farther you move away from the football, usually this is true. As you add space to the equation, the evaluation becomes a little bit more linear. There's much more there's much less extrapolation to kind of like what he'll be with pads on. And especially like right now like what you've done is you've taken college your evaluation, you know, I watched a ton of football on him because I really liked him a lot, taking his college tape, and then you say, are you seeing that transferability to, like, you know, NFL defenses versus NFL defenses in an NFL offense? And you do. And now it's not quite the same speed it's going to be on Sunday. It's, like, you know, maybe, like, 85%. But at least it gives you kind of a, a, a template and it says, okay, yeah, he is showing – the the route running savvy he is showing the catch radius he is showing the body control and it's not just a fugazi thing you see in college football so that's always encouraging and the fact that it is happening in more space is really critical so obviously like you need more data points to get the full evaluation but the college tape with the otas and i think you feel pretty good about the trajectory this kid is on now some people when you put the shoulder pads on that extra I think the helmet weighs seven pounds, the extra seven pounds from the shoulder pads and the thigh pads and all that stuff. It augments how that guy moves enough where it doesn't really work. But I'm saying you saw that, that, that skill set in college. I'm pretty And they wear pads in college. That's true. That is true. <laughs> so the movement, the movement looks the same, which is, which is good. Um, how have they used him? And like how, how replicable do you think that is to the regular season you obviously don't have terry yet which is significant um but how do you think the ultimate rotation kind of goes with specifically dotson mclaurin and uh curtis samuel like how do they move those pieces around at what will most often be a three wide receiver look of some variety yeah i think that's a fantastic question i think you hit the nail on the head there i think they want to be a three wide receiver set i mean everybody's talking about cole turner and he's looked really good Quite frankly, he's looked very, very good and a guy that is going to be a part of this team in some capacity for the foreseeable future. 
Um, and you say, well, why don't you use him as a big slot? Why don't you line him up as an X isolation receiver, which I'm sure he could do. But right now, your, your first three wide receivers are very, very good football players. You know what I mean? Terry, uh, like Curtis Samuel, we've talked a lot about Jahan, but he's looked very, very sharp, you know, in terms of how his suddenness, his short area quickness, his utilization package has improved pretty dramatically. And then, <clears throat> obviously, um, who are we talking about? Yeah, Terry, that's it. That's Jahan, and, yeah. and Curtis. Yeah, that's, yeah. It. that's all three. So, um, so you're going to be in three wide receiver sets, and then how do you kind of make everybody happy? Because, you know, it was interesting. Jahan was kind of the two. Curtis Samuel was getting kind of all the one looks, and then all of a sudden that's kind of transitioned, I think, a little bit. Now Jahan seems to be the true number one guy. And, again, this could be because they're trying to manage Curtis's workload a little bit. But I think from a route running standpoint, Jahan's a little bit more polished. And, again, like he hasn't done it at the NFL level, but he's even kind of – He's motioning to the backfield now. He's getting some different looks off of that, right? He's getting the jet sweep stuff. He's getting the bubble screens. And again, Curtis has kind of taken, I think, two rest days now. So obviously those touches need to go somewhere. So they've chose to allocate them to Jahan. But I think it's a nice insurance policy for for, for Curtis Samuels if you do have an injury issue. Because like you've mentioned before, that was a big part of who they wanted him to be in terms of like a Swiss Army knife for the offense. But it's interesting because... This offense with Jahan, the addition of Jahan, what he's brought, and, and Carson Wentz, that combo, has elevated the offense tremendously. So it's kind of it's exciting to think when you add Terry and a guy that can win in certain situations one-on-one and Jahan and Curtis Samuel, like it's, it's, it, the offense becomes very, very potent. And it's kind of what I think I was thinking about last year when they drafted De'Ami Brown. Kind of was hoping for a variation of this. But obviously injuries and a lack of development by De'Ami – you know, you're left with Terry again, and now it's here again, and it feels so real and so palpable that you're kind of like, man, they could be anything. The problem is, it just seems like they kind of Carson or the offense dictates that he kind of fixates on that number one. So when training camp comes, and hopefully Terry's under contract and Curtis is out there healthy, that is when that question becomes really interesting, in my opinion, because that is the major question. Like, how do you get, how do you maximize everybody? and make the offense the best version of itself. Right. And so what I think is really great about this collection of receivers, as far as I know them and as far as everything I've heard about them, is they're all really smart, especially those top three that we just talked about. Not to diminish the intelligence of right. football IQ of anybody below them, but like we're talking about the guys who are going to take the most snaps, right? Yeah. Playing X receiver is different than playing Y. It is different than playing in the slot. And like it's a completely different route concepts remembering you know the play calls from each of the position and understanding how the coverages attack you from each of those positions and those angles and all that kind of stuff you could talk about a lot better than me as someone who actually played some of them um, and obviously played it from the tight end spot for for 10 years in the league but I think a lot of times fans get frustrated. It's like, well, why don't they just move that guy over there? And it's like, well, he doesn't know that position. Like, wide receiver is not wide receiver. It's X or it's Y or it's Z. And so knowing, when we talk about maximizing those three guys, I think it's really encouraging that it seems like Jahan is picking things up so quickly and Curtis is obviously familiar with the system, and Terry is so intelligent and is familiar with the system at this point that all three of those guys can move around X, Y, and Z, which gives you, one, insurance against injury if you need to slide somebody somewhere else, and two, right. the ability to mix and match and create matchups that are favorable to you in the fall as you you know game plan each and every week. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. So at tight end, you play multiple positions. Like, you'll line up at every right. receiver spot, right? And so one of the things when you're doing that is, like, let's say, like, Terry's been an X for, like, three years in this offense, right? And you actually listen to the play 
differently at each position, right? Because it affects how you line up. So this is an example. So like if I'm playing wide tight end, I in Kyle's offense, I would always line up to the strength of the formation. So it says like I right, I'm going right. If it's let's say it's solo, it's let's say it's solo right, right? And I'm playing F, I go away from the call now, right? And if I'm the X, I always go away from the call unless I hear, you know, some other tag word. If I'm Z, I always go to the call. So Bouncing, even just from a formation standpoint, can be really challenging in terms of getting lined up. And then you look at a, uh, an offense like uh, the LA Rams, where they pride themselves, you know, with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Robert Woods is obviously no longer there, but having smart receivers where you can interplay them because it makes matching up with them very much more difficult, right? So all of a sudden, Cooper Cup, he's not the F in the offense, which is like your adjuster. He's a Z on this play. And there's no loss because Robert Woods says, I know the F, I can just pop in there, right? So having three pieces like that makes it super easy to kind of bounce in and out of these like these different uh, formations and different personnel groupings that make your offense more effective in terms of finding favorable matchups. And ultimately, that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to find the best matchups on every single play. And that's where that intelligence comes in. And that's where having three guys who are kind of similar, smart, tough, physical football players can be really advantageous. I have a silly question. Let's say all yeah. three of those guys are out there and all three of those guys can play all three of those spots and they've all practiced it and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> how do they how do they know which way to go? Like this is a silly question, but like I'm curious and you can answer it for me and I think people will find this interesting, so I'm going to ask it yeah. into a microphone on the podcast. How do they know where to go on each individual one? Is it like something you practice yeah. during the week? It's like on this play, your X, your Z, your Y, your F. Like how how do they know if they are so interchangeable? You know, what roles they're going to go on on any specific play formation, etc.? Yeah, so that's a really good question, and, and every offense handles it a little differently. I think the, the 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 way that I've seen this offense handle it is just to go something as simple as like um, eleven personnel, and then just tag the person's name. So Cam would be an example, eleven Cam, and so that means Cam in that formation is going to play the X, Terry's going to play the Z, or whatever that amalgamation is, right? And so if I say, oh, it's eleven Jahan, and Jahan's the F in that look, and then I say eleven Curtis. And he's the F, and then you know that I'm switching with Curtis or I'm switching with whoever, and maybe Terry stays the X or whatever the whatever the coaching is for that specific tag. So you have a big list of like eleven, and then eleven variations. Maybe it's like eleven McKissick, where McKissick's playing the F, and Antonio's in the backfield, right? And then you have like kind of this this different personnel grouping or whatever it may be. That that's a bad example because that's two backs, so that'd be a little different. But like eleven, you know, whoever, eleven Cole, maybe even right, and then you get specific tags for specific players and you know based on the name tag where I pop in and some people do numbers like 11 8 or 11 whatever the player's number is 11 1 in this case would be Jahan right and that indicates something else as well so you have to be careful with that because that's more intellectual kind of volume you need to add on the players but when you have smart guys you can get that stuff done and that's something Kyle used to do a lot of and it was very helpful it's helpful in terms of like getting like Julio Jones lined up where you want him on a specific formation or getting George Kittle lined up where you want him or Debo Samuel, right? So all that stuff is super important and it's nice now to have the ability. They did it last year, but now you have three pieces in terms of wide receiver that make that even more, that make that package even more expansive. And then you can still tag guys like Cam. Let's say you want to like run a, run a, like some type of crack toss play and you want him to block. Oh, 11 Cam, get in there. He's the F. And now you feel better about that instead of having Jahan block, you know, defensive end. So Again, it's just it opens up the book in a nice way and gets you the right people in the right matchups. I'm glad I asked that question. I feel smarter. <laughs> uh, real quick, last thing on the offense before we slip 
uh, flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, of course, to get the ball to the receivers, you need a quarterback. The quarterback here yeah. is now Carson Wentz. You've now seen him for three weeks throughout the entire voluntary period. Um, had an interesting day, it felt like, yesterday, uh, watching all the tweets and everything. Had a couple of picks. I think one got deflected. Uh, Kendall picked him yeah. off in the two-minute drill. But largely, it seems like people have been pretty impressed. You've gotten to watch him extensively. Yeah. Like, What are your three-week in-person takeaways of Carson Wentz? And so everyone sees that interception and like the receiver fell down, you know, and then like Kendall's able to make a play on the ball. And if the receiver doesn't fall down, you know, it's probably completed and everything's fine and no one even knows. But that that's football. Right. And then obviously the deflection was pretty sick. Like by uh, Forrest, he did an excellent job. You know, Bates is posted up right over the ball on this kind of mesh concept. Both guys cross underneath. Bates is right there at 10. Puts in a nice fastball. But again, they were running kind of some version of quarters where this guy's like robbing that route and um it or robbing excuse me he's robbing the crosser and so the crosser brings him go. right to Bates and then mm. he's able to make a nice deflection Holcomb's just literally standing right there and the ball falls in the red basket so a little bit of luck there on those interceptions but I'd say his process overall has been pretty outstanding and um you know it's it's weird you know I don't remember exactly what they were doing last year on this time but they seem to be ahead of schedule in terms of install they're doing a lot of move the ball a lot of two minute a lot of red zone which again you don't really see this early in the offseason. I know people are trying to push to that more, but they did that week one of the OTA program, which is crazy to think about. That they were at that point with a new quarterback, new yeah. starting And just receiver. so people understand, like that's a like if you're trying to install your base offense and you're struggling to do that, to get everybody in the same language, the same verbiage, all that kind of stuff, it, it takes time. Like You are learning yeah. a language. And so for them to get past the basics kind of that next level where you have a whole new, like it's almost like a whole new mini playbook for your red yeah. zone and, and some of that kind of stuff, yeah. that, that, that is why for folks that are not are less familiar, like that is why that is impressive. They kind of got to the second playbook. And by the way, that second playbook is your situational football stuff that wins and loses yeah. you games. Yeah, and it's so it's cool that they're working on that already. And again, he just intellectually doesn't seem too big for him. And again, I, I know everyone's been talking about this, but it is significant, so I'm going to talk about it on here too. He's got a freaking cannon for an arm. Like, he can touch, like, so Jahan, I this was two days ago, this might have been uh, Tuesday. So he runs a vertical stem to the post and an out. And the out ends up being about 25 yards on the far hash. So that is a heck of a throw. And That's Carson, like a 40-yard throw probably, at least. It's it's a ridiculous throw. And so Carson, uh, Casey Tuhill, excellent pressure off the edge, wins on the jump set. He has to step up, and he's running with his shoulders like this, and he throws across his body an absolute laser beam, and Jahan's able to catch it you know, for a 25-yard gain. And that throw is just not on the table last year. It's just not available. And no one and very few people in the NFL can do that. So... The fact that that is who they want to be offensively is this team that is attacking vertically a little bit more, attacking that deep third of the field as much as possible, or not as much as possible, more regularly because it opens up the underneath stuff. I just look at that and I say, they have that tool here. They have that arm, they have the horsepower, and they have a guy who's seeing it well. So this happened a couple of days ago too. So the defense is running quarters, which is that those four wide receivers across the back, and Carson is looking to the offensive left. The receiver's running a deep in-cut, so like a 20-yard in-cut. And what that does is it holds the safety and the corner in the quarters rotation to that side. 
and the other guy's running a post over top, and he shifts his shoulders last second, is able to deliver a bomb down to Jahan. Now, that was the first throw I saw him miss, but in terms of his process in manipulating to manufacture that throw, I think that's right. where you see, again, the advantage in addition to the arm. He's a guy who's got a lot of experience, a lot of talent, and again, I think the biggest thing with him is between the ears at this point and knowing when the play is dead and when to kind of live and play another down. But, you know, he has just been, like, again, and it's maybe because the comparison over the last couple of years has not been very good in terms of quarterbacks here for the commanders. But holy cow, man, I think, like, I'm excited about it. And again, this is early, but he's going to give this offense something that wasn't there last year. It's exciting because you get to have hope as opposed to knowing you're already dead in the water, right? Like, yes, it doesn't right. mean that it's guaranteed that he's going to play well. We don't know. Some of the stuff where he's struggled is the kind of things you only see when live bullets are flying. Mm-hmm. But to be able to know what he's capable of at this point is also exciting. Like both things can be true. We can have a cap on the excitement because we know where the limitations are and we can't test those yet. But we also know that the things that we're seeing are things that we absolutely did not see and could not have possibly seen last year. Yeah. And I think just to like to support that point a little bit, like even if he does not play well, like let's say he plays like he's the 20 to 25th ranked quarterback in the NFL that is better quarterback production than they've had for what? Like you would know better than me, probably five years. Since like since I mean, Alex Alex was healthy, maybe. Yeah, and and even then, like Alex's, they won games despite Alex's production. Yeah, um, it right. was not. It was it was it was pretty gnarly in terms of the numbers. Like he was below two hundred yards passing a lot of those games. He just never yeah. turned the ball over and you know knew how to manage a game. And, and that that has value too, which is like the stuff you sometimes worry about with Carson. But from a production standpoint, like you got to kind of go back to Kirk since they had someone throw for over four thousand. Right, and I think that's like what you're going to get here is a guy who can do that, and even if he's not playing his best, can do that. So I think that's something that's encouraging the fans. So even if it's ugly. He's going to be very productive. And the, so all of a sudden, the floor of the offense moves up a little bit. Now he's got to stay healthy. And you mentioned some of the intellectual things that Alex did so well that maybe he has a hard time with. I don't disagree with that. And those are things, again, as we move through the process, need to be evaluated. But you should be optimistic for sure, to your point. Optimism is good. We like hope. Hope is good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a man podcast here from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson. You want to get more from me? I'm on Twitter at Craig Hoffman, on Instagram at Craig underscore Hoffman. Logan is on Instagram at Logan underscore Paulson82. So the offense being good this time of year also comes with some concerns because that means they're yeah. doing it against the defense of their own team. Um, yeah. 
if you had to circle through this voluntary period, like your biggest question mark, I think we came in thinking it was linebacker. It feels like right. that may have shifted back a level and that the, the common fear is secondary. Are you on board with that? Yeah, <laughs> I am on board with that. There was I am, a big, uh, if you're just listening, we do definitely do some video clips, which are all the places that I just told you on social media. Uh, but I just want the folks that are listening to the audio only to know the contemplative side from Logan Paulson. <laughs> was large uh yeah it is it is it is large and i will say there are some bright spots like i think the linebackers are playing better i think the defensive line of the last couple days has done a really nice job i think even you know everyone says chase might not be ready till december all this stuff you know your guy my guy casey Tuhill, over the last what has it been um three days has been very very productive very very explosive james smith williams is just mr steady eddie and then montez when he That's does my practice, guy james is my who? guy I know, and he's done a great job, and so and so. I think you should feel good, like, it, and then obviously getting pain back is a big element to that front. So, but I think he'll be back, and then obviously Jamin's playing better, Cole's playing better, um, Mayo has actually done a very nice job in that kind of their short yardage goal line stuff. He's been in there quite a bit, and then their, your third linebacker, who's Cam Curl, has looked outstanding, and I think is again is maybe my kind of defensive player to watch in terms of upside. Bob McCain's done a great job, right? However, you need three safeties in this defense. So who's that third safety going to be? Forrest, I think at times, looks very twitched up, very focused, very downhill. He, his skill set, to me, speaks more Buffalo nickel, but he's playing post for some reason. So that's mm-hmm. a little bit confounding. And then they did this interesting thing we talked about a couple days ago. You know, Bobby Cam in the post safeties, or the deep safeties, and then Benjamin St. Just at the nickel, which has been awesome and improved everything pretty dramatically. Kendra Fuller's been pretty consistent, obviously, some misses against Jahan, but also some interceptions and big plays like we just talked about. I think you get down to that last element there. And um, William Jackson III has had, uh, has had ups and downs. And um, I know it's early in the offseason, but his play and his com- combined with the play from last year is somewhat concerning. And like right now, irrespective of, car- of contract, irrespective of leadership, irrespective of anything, just based on the film and practice, I would probably try to find a way to get Benjamin St. Just outside, get him off the field, and find a way to get someone else in the nickel. Again, that's not real-life football. You know what I mean? Right. That's not how that works. That's not how this business works. And I think you got to kind of let uh, let him go. And I'm not saying – because I liked his tape from Cincinnati. I'm talking about uh, William Jackson. William III. Jackson, right. I think he's, he's got a lot of skills, very good arm length, good speed, good athleticism, good physicality. We just got to see it kind of packaged together here over the next couple of days. Uh, you know, and it doesn't need to happen now. Maybe even training camp, there's a big uptick. But again, like that, he's the reason you'd feel a little nervous about the back end. And then Benjamin say just in the slot has been awesome. He's been awesome outside. I worry about him from a medical standpoint and how he plays in the slot. You know, we've talked about that before. He's not really, he's a big man, but not like a stout man. And so, mm-hmm. you know, three concussions last year, like again, that's where the questions come in. And again, the linebacker, everyone's worried about that. But Jamin's playing better. Cole's playing better. I, I'm not as worried about that. It's the back end stuff that is a little... There's the most question marks, I should say. So, i follow up on St. Juice in a second, but we'll get there. Yeah. On William Jackson III, you, do you feel like you're watching a guy who's like trying stuff, trying to really commit, and is not good at it yet? 
but you know that he's skilled based off what he did in Cincinnati? Or do you feel like you're watching a guy who is struggling to understand what he is being asked to do in this particular defense that is different from what he was good at in Cincinnati? Yeah, so I had the opportunity to watch some film with Sean Springs of practice. And Sean Springs played DB in, in the NFL for a long time. And, you know, it's been a while since he's played, so some of the information, take it with a grain of salt. But he brought something up that I thought was impeccable knowledge. He's like, this is quarters coverage right here. Look at this split. This is not where he should be lined up. And then you would compare it to the other corner or like another series where they're in quarters and the split's tight. He's like, he should be outside leverage here. And he's head up. And then I'll be, dar- I'll be darned if he didn't even know the play, Sean. I had seen the play already. And Sean was like, he's going to get beat on an outcut here. And Jahan runs up, outcut, completion for a first down. And I was like, how did you know that? It's like his help in this coverage is inside. He needs to line up outside to funnel it in. And then there's a full width split. And he's lined up outside. And I was like, oh, this is right here. And he's like, no, now it's full width. Now your help is the sideline. And so then Jahan runs up and runs an in-cut, and it's completion for a first down. And that is just simple alignment stuff that I, you know, and I'm deferring to Sean here, and I respect Sean's opinion on this because they played a lot of quarters when he was playing here, and this defense right. plays a lot of quarters. So I'm going to say that, yes, like he doesn't seem to understand those little nuances in terms of alignment and how to best put himself in, a best, in the best position pre-snap to execute. And as a result, you see a guy who's a little... His feet are a little panicked, panicked feet. You don't like to see that with DBs or offensive linemen. And you see a guy who's trying to grab a lot. And I think it's just, man, like, slow down, take a breath. It's there. You have the ability. Let's just put yourself in the best position to be successful. So I think that's really interesting because you hear so many fans. And sometimes I'm like, do you all even know what you're talking about? Or are you just saying yeah. stuff? But, like, you hear a lot of fans that are critical of the move. And they go, well, he was a man corner. And now they're asking to play zone. And, like... To me, when you talk about the, the mental side of playing zone and the nuances of understanding, like zone defense is not as simple as like when you play Madden and they have the little X and they have yeah. like the, the arrow to the bubble. You don't just go like float in that little area and wait for the ball to come to you. That's not how that works. Like there, there yeah. is the level of detail that you just talked about uh, that Sean relayed that I think that's a great and Ill- illustrative story that there is so much nuance and that when we're talking about NFL margins of, you know, 1% here, 1% there being the difference in winning and losing that you need to understand that. And it, I guess it sounds like he is just not there. And that to me goes back to like, did you sign a guy who just doesn't fit what you need someone at that position to do in your defense? And I think also to kind of expand on this point is that this defense that Jack runs here is, you know, I've, I've had opportunities to talk to guys around the building a little bit more, and it's been super illuminating in terms of the challenges that the secondary here faces. And what I mean by that is they do post snap adjustments based on receiver stems. Like we talked about Jahan stems, right? And so like if I'm running at an in stem, I got to know that something is probably coming behind it, right? Just as a simple example, right? And I'm going to change my drop like you're talking about to accommodate the change in stem by the receiver as opposed to the traditional zone defense where you're dropping to a spot. I think Seattle, that's what Seattle does. They drop to spots. Here they're right. matching, they're concept matching off of receiver stems, which makes it a, really hard on the back end, but also really hard on the quarterback to identify what the coverage is because it changes right. based on what you're doing. So that intellectual demand is something that I hear and I think, holy cow, that is a big lift for a lot of people. And if you were in a different system before, like this is the kind of system that the, that the Bills run, for example. Green Bay runs a version of this. 
they're the best coverage defenses in the NFL for a reason. They've also had guys in place for like four years that understand the checks and understand the communication. And here, this is the second year getting guys together. So even that's a little bit of a short time window to get proficient at it. But but what I think is that like now this is the really it's the first year where the whole group in the back end's been together for the whole off season, right? So right. like you know last year there was a lot of injuries and they were kind of moving people around. So I think that is something that fans need to consider and think about is that this is very challenging. It takes a long time to kind of get together on this. And especially with this post-snap read and react type element, which is awesome because that's the most cutting-edge defense you can run in the NFL. But also right. it's going to be very challenging to get on the same page with everyone in the defensive structure. Yeah, no, that's that's really good insight. All right, you said earlier you need to have three safeties in this defense. And obviously, like, by the letter of the definition when St. Juice is in there, it's not a Buffalo nickel because he's a corner and like Buffalo nickels when you have three safeties, but like the responsibilities and why you would play Buffalo nickel, like maybe he's doing some things that they typically left to a Buffalo nickel. Right. Um, So I guess that like preamble setup to ask, like, do they need a third safety, someone who is a bigger body or can they survive nixing the Buffalo nickel from this defense and playing a lot of traditional nickel with a, bigger taller Benjamin St. Juice who might be able to do things like cover a tight end that a smaller traditional nickel corner could not yeah so I think I think that is a pads question in my opinion because when you watch Benjamin St. Juice when you watch his movement skills when you watch how he matches up like he like he gives Jahan a hard time he gives that slot receiver whoever it is a very hard time with his length and his patience with his feet when we talked about how William Jackson the third his feet get all crazy and he's trying to grab like um, Benjamin St. Just is crazy patient with his feet and crazy deliberate with his hands, which you love, right? So <clears throat> what I what I will say is that I think it makes the defense better having him there. My question is when the pads come on and you have to take on a guard and you have to fit a B-gap, like Landon excels at that. Like that's what Landon's good at. That's what Derek Forrest is good at. How is Benjamin St. Just going to be at that? His college tape for a corner, very physical. But the physicality difference between corner and safety is pretty dramatic. Like, just to give you an idea, like in Kyle's offense, he's always like, "I want to get the I want to get the unblocked player to be a corner." And I was like, "This was like my third year in the league." I was like, "Why?" He's like, "Because no, none of them want to tackle. They want to cover." And does Benjamin St. Just want to tackle? Would be my question. Because if not, then you need to figure something else out at the position. But as of right now. Shoulder pad, no shoulder pads, t-shirts, helmets, everyone's happy. He looks amazing. But again, a big part of that role is how physical you are. And that's that's the million-dollar question. Yeah, speaking of physicality, one thing we didn't get to that we'll get to on Monday's show is the hit uh, from Jeremy Reeves mm-hmm. on Deami Brown and kind of the, the larger uh, discipline conversation that I think should be had about this team and and after seeing you know not just an incident like that but the play on the field last year how much do we think that these coaches are getting through on a discipline front so we can we can tackle that a little bit on Monday Uh, obviously we will also look ahead to mandatory minicamp will Terry McLaren show up will Deron Payne show up will Montez Sweat show up those guys missed time for various reasons over the last couple of weeks and uh, TBD on whether they show up next week and, and what that would mean if they did what that would mean if and they it's did. a and it's a mailbag monday right so questions direct monday. them to craig, craig yeah gets your don't questions. bother logan with your questions yeah. bother me <laughs> at craig hoffman c-r-a-i-g-h-o-f-f-m-a-n on twitter uh thanks again to lorenzo alexander phenomenal stuff uh if you're happening to listen to one of like the little bonus snippets really recommend going back listening to the full pod and checking out everything with zoe uh subscribe 
give us a rating, review us. That helps other people find it. Share it. Just go forget forget the general public. Share it with a friend. <laughs> share share this podcast with someone that you love. And uh, that's that's how we're going to send you into the weekend. Thanks for listening. Stay <laughs> command from Odyssey Sports. <laughs>